0: What is up, Salt Company? Everybody, this is the last Salt Company of the year. And my last as your director. Thank you, I appreciate that. I would like to walk through as my last sermon To begin it, I would like to walk through top five moments in my Salt Company history here at Salt Company Ankeny. Amen. First one, throw that picture on the screen. The first was my very first leader retreat. Check that out. That's me in the back, staring off into the sunset. It got really weird. I took on the persona of Drill Sergeant Dan basically i was barking out orders i tied up rachel in the woods and made the leaders go get her it got really weird we'll just leave it at that but one of the best parts of this picture is that almost every single student right here is part of one of our salt network church plants since this moment which is crazy (laughs) and what's even cooler is Jonah right there dabbing with a water bottle. What a loser. Jonah off to the left part of the picture is going to be my salt director at my church plant. A lot of nostalgia. That retreat was incredible. Um, the next one, show the next pick. That is our first fall retreat. Oh, QB doobie looking fine. And Rainier over there and Jonah and just some other people. That was one of the greatest fall retreats ever because one hour in, Somebody tragically obliterated their leg and broke it, which is great. And then the next day, I believe, Q almost died. So that was great. It's not a fall retreat unless somebody almost dies. Can I get an amen? And I watched Rachel be savage and destroy Q. It was one of my favorite moments of all time. Uh, Where is Q, by the way? Oh, right in front of me, classic dying from embarrassment right now. You're welcome. Okay, one of my next ones you can take off the screen. One of the most spiritually formational memories that I have was after SALT one day, there was a student who had suffered from just a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety. He's actually here tonight. And I I believe it was two or three years ago. And oh, my wife is here. Oh, she did not tell me she was coming. Oh, Kayla, 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 (laughs) Kayla. The worst timing for that type of chant, I apologize. One of the most spiritually formational moments was there was a student about three years ago who was really really struggling with depression and anxiety. And after salt, it was about 11 p.m., uh, Ian Hudson comes up to me and yanks me to the side and says, hey, we need to leave now. Our friend is about to commit suicide. And so we showed up, and we essentially kind of busted down his door. And as he was bloodied from cutting himself and struggling and struggling and struggling and wanting to end it, We literally just sat there and just cuddled him and held him for two hours as me, Ryan Scheidel, and Ian Hudson just declared truth to this man and showed him 2 Corinthians 12 where Jesus says to Paul, hey, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is displayed in your weakness, a.k.a. the weaker you look because of my gospel, the greater I look. And the more that you grow, the greater I look. <laughs> and God saved his physical life that night. And then two weeks later, he showed up with Second Corinthians twelve nine tattooed on his forearm, and he still has that today. One of the greatest moments of my life. And then later that year, the year later, one of my two favorite moments at Salt was after we preached i preached a sermon on radical sexual purity the greatest message title you could ever figure out radical sexual purity and i watched as a ton of the crowd is weeping because of the weight of their sins and the freedom that they can have in jesus christ and i watched three students place their faith in jesus christ that night it was amazing and then a couple weeks later we i preached on depression many of you guys remember that sermon at the end of the sermon, we had everybody who had struggled with depression stand up, and everybody who was around them put their hands on, them, lay hands on them, and pray for them. It was one of the deepest moments that I've ever seen a church actually act like a family. I've never seen anything like it. And then last year, <clears throat> at our kickoff scavenger hunt, when DMAC almost kicked us off campus, can I get a Go Bears? That was kind of fun, I guess. Remember, people, borderline on sin to get people into the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? We will do anything short of sin to get people into the kingdom. Can I get a Go Bears? <laughs> and then this one last week, throw that last picture up on the screen and drum roll, please, right there. That is my picture taking abilities. I apologize. I'm not great at it. Bad angles doesn't matter. So that girl in the middle right there with the blonde hair, that is Hannah Campbell, OK? So many of you guys kind of know this story, but a lot of you don't. This just happened this past Thursday. Um, She came up to me right after Saul and had a lot of questions about salvation and baptism. And as we kept talking, we realized that, and she realized, I don't think I'm a Christian, even though I grew up in the church. And so I'm talking to her as I'm supposed to be running the Illinois State Interest Meeting, i'm like oh no i am horribly late to this meeting that i am the one running this is not good so i i'm like hannah can you hold on one second and so i run back to the meeting they boo me because i'm like 20 minutes late classic and i walk in i'm like hey, hey, hey guys hannah is about to place her faith in jesus i just know it but i need you guys to pray so i ran back to hannah as an entire room of 40 college students were praying for her soul to be saved I run back, witness to her a little bit. She doesn't get saved in that moment. And I was like, Hannah, ugh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Could you please wait for me to get done with this meeting? <laughs> Which sounds horrible. I know it sounds horrible. But she was like, yeah, of course. And so she walks, or she just kind of stays in this room. And I go and leave this meeting. Amy Hall and Rachel Havlo- or Harsh, sorry, sorry, Rachel Harsh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I corrected myself. I corrected myself. Nick, I apologize. Um, Amy Hall and Rachel Harsh sit back and they're like, okay, well, we're going to go talk to her then. So as I'm leading the meeting, I have two of my staffers working through all of her questions and doubts about God. And then I show up and then at 1230 (laughs) at night, in the morning, whatever that is, she finally sits back and bows the knee and places her faith in Jesus Christ. It was incredible. (laughs) Amazing. I had never been part of... I've never experienced something. I've I've led some souls to Jesus, but I've never been part of a moment where an entire room, an entire group of people are praying for one single soul and then two other Christians alongside me are just telling her Jesus, speaking truth into her and her actually placing her faith in Jesus. I've I've never been a part of that. It was incredible. There are so many moments I I could have listed that have left me in awe of Jesus Christ, but shoot, I didn't think the crying would start this early. Crap! Um <sighs> crap. I just yeah, thank you. Um <laughs> I just want to say thank you for letting me be your pastor. It's uh of the highest honors of my life has been to be your salt director so I just want to say thank you you guys are the highlight of my year the highlight of my week I love being your pastor so thank you you, thank you (laughs) finally set it back you finally said back. I do want to say one thing I do want to say one more thing as I leave I, I want to encourage you guys to follow Joe Joe is a man of God with high character who is learning how to lead right now, and he's leading so well. He's leading himself by following Jesus hard, and he is learning like crazy how to fo- or actually lead you guys right now with vision and preaching and teaching. I'm telling you guys, I implore you, follow Joe blindly. He will take this place to heights that I never could. Okay? Follow Joe Nealus. <clears throat> All right. Ah, enough of that sappy crap. All right, there's something sad and fun about the end of the year. Can we all agree? There's something weirdly sad and fun. There's like this weird tension. And tonight, I want the end of my time as your director to cast the vision of a big goal that's borderline unachievable. I want you individually to change the world. I want you individually (coughs) to change the world. Changing the world is this massive goal in our heads, is it not? For, for me, changing the world in my head looks like creating a church planting network that can reach the nation and then reach the continents around us and then overseas with logistics that would just boggle my ever-loving mind. That's how I kind of imagine changing the world, but it doesn't really seem possible. Maybe to you, changing the world might look like you discovering this new scientific discovery that affects the food we eat and the water we drink. Maybe changing the world might look like throwing a random psychological thought that streams through the consciences of our modern thinker and changes our government from the inside out. How can you be a world changer? You need to do something big, don't you? And you need to start now because it will only be accomplished through grit, sweat, tears, and maybe by the time you're 73, maybe you'll do something that kind of changes the world. I want to be a world changer but that type of thinking usually crushes me the goal is too big it's too vague it's too heavy it's too overwhelming for me to actually imagine it happening but god commands and declares that every single christian must change the world and it's not even an option is that even possible for you individually to personally change the world through your own individual efforts. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, because here at Cell Company, we? Oh, I'm gonna miss that. Matthew 28. I'm gonna start with a little bit of context. Matthew 28, we'll start in verse one. But Jesus had just died. Jesus, who they thought would be their Messiah, had just died. And there are women who are going to mourn their fallen savior. We'll meet them here in a second. There are two women named Mary, and they went to bring their fragrances because they knew Jesus had just died and their hearts were torn in two. I want you to try to imagine the emotions of these women as they are walking to this tomb. Matthew 28 verse one says after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance, picture this, was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. Okay, the angel moves the tomb like it's nothing. Imagine that moment. You're Mary, walking up on this, and you see this. Unbelievable. But notice something, the angel moved the tomb, because I think Jesus just walked right through it. And then this angel's appearance is like lightning, unbelievable, stunning, spectacular, just blew them away. Now look at verse 5. The angel told the women, hey, don't be afraid. Well, I would. "Uh, Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Oh, one of the best four words in all the Bible. He is not here. Amen. Verse six, he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. The angel essentially says, I, I know who you're looking for, Jesus, who died and was brutally murdered on the cross before your eyes, and because of your sin, he is not here. Look for yourself. He's not here. Then look at verse seven. Then go, angel still talking, quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. He says, see and go. See and go. The angel says, check it out, but don't linger. It's time for action. Run and tell the good news. Oh, women, this is amazing, women were the ones to tell the news. One of the greatest things about the resurrection narrative is that women carry the message. It was completely inappropriate for a woman in that age to be the carrier of such an important message, let alone an earth-shattering message. But I heard a pastor say this the other day. He said, sometimes you got to break the protocol of the day because Jesus was looking for somebody to walk into a room full of men and tear the roof off of human history and give them hope. Amen? Sometimes you got to break the protocol. And then Jesus meets them. Look at verse 8. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, you can only imagine, they ran to tell his disciples the news and just then Jesus met them and said, greetings, what's up? <laughs> imagine that moment. They're sprinting, probably just bewildered, not even understanding really what just happened, but apparently they have to go tell somebody. And all of a sudden Jesus out of nowhere meets them and says, hello, greetings. Look what happens. They came up, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. If the empty tomb didn't get their hearts beating, seeing Jesus made their hearts melt. Did you see that? They fell at his feet and worshiped Jesus, worshiped him. And they were the first to worship the resurrected Jesus. Oh, to be those women. And look at Jesus' words in verse 10. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. But you notice no one has changed the world yet. Something crazy just happened, but nobody's really actually changed the world yet. What does Jesus say next? Because after he rose from the grave, he's got their attention, amen? Look at verse 16. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. In verse 16, when it says the 11 disciples, this doesn't necessarily mean that there were only 11 people there. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says that there were over 500 people who saw the resurrected Jesus and most of his followers were in Galilee. So this could have been the moment where Jesus is with over 500 people. And he's saying this great message before he leaves the earth. What does he say? Look at verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, said to this crowd, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Pause. Jesus now has authority. Jesus' humiliation on the cross is done. Now his exaltation is here. He is ruler of all. Now he must be listened to. So what does he say? Look at verse 18. Jesus came near and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus just changed the spiritual and physical world by performing the most scientifically impossible miracle by raising from the dead. So how does Jesus command his followers to change the world? Look at 18 again. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I want you to pay attention to all the commands. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. Guys, world changers act plain and simple world changers act. They go and do things. World changers aren't couch potatoes. They're Christ exalters. World changers aren't consumed by social media. They're consumed by their Messiah. World changers are people of action. You want to know how Jesus says you can change the world? Jesus gives us four ways that you personally can change the world around you. Point number one, world changers make disciples. Disciples. World changers make disciples. Look at verse 19. Look at it with me. It says, go therefore and make disciples. Have you guys ever made something with your bare hands? No one. Wow. Have you guys ever made something with your bare hands? Over the past couple of years, I have made, believe it or not, I know I'm rugged, manly. You imagine that I'm just making things all the time. I, I have. You know, I've met your expectations of me. I've made A coffee table that Kayla made me throw away, so that's great. Um, I also made a shoebox that is still in our house. Thank you very much. And the other day, I made a bench for our table. And if it makes it into the kitchen, I know that Kayla actually approves of it. So it's actually pretty good. I made it with my own bare hands. I made it. But I used the material that God created. That phrase in verse 19, look at it again. Go, therefore, and make... Disciples. There seems to be a combination of God's power and your intentional effort to go and make disciples. You don't just show up and hope the magic happens. You speak up and watch a miracle happen. Making a disciple includes two things. You leading them to faith in the one and only Jesus Christ. And check this. You teach them how to follow Jesus by following you as you follow Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. You teach them how to follow Jesus by following you as you follow Jesus. Sounds a little bit confusing. It's simple. Discipleship is a lifelong process of you showing someone how to follow Jesus. It is simple. Just the other day, my wife Kayla and I were on a walk, and it was one of the cutest things in the world. As she's walking, I kind of like look, and she looks too, and we notice Annabelle, our daughter, is right behind her, and she is like right hot on Kayla's heels, like following every step that she's doing. So Kayla's like, oh, okay, let's see how far we can take this. So she, she starts to kind of like veer into the grass and then veer over here into the grass and Annabelle's like right behind her. Like, <makes noise> it's one of the cutest things in the world. I absolutely loved it. We were dying laughing. Here's the thing. Discipleship is just like this. One of you is older. One of you is more mature in your faith. And the one who is younger needs to be shown what to do and where to go. And they follow in the more mature one's footsteps. This is the first step in changing the world around you. The first step. Are you changing the world this way? Are you discipling someone right now? Here's the thing. I want to do something kind of weird tonight. It's my last one, so I can do what I want. Can I get an amen? I want to do something kind of weird tonight, but I want to show you guys something. We've got some world changers in this room right now. Did you know that? We've got some world changers in this room right now. So I'm going to go ahead and call some people to the stage. To the stage. And none of you know this is happening, so good luck. (laughs) I wanna call some world changers to the stage and I wanna sound the alarm cause we've got a world changer alert. Caleb hit it. Jordan Edmondson, Regina Mwindi, Eli Christensen, and Quentin Miller get up here right now. All of you get up here right now. Jordan is so excited for this. Eli is totally not. All these people who are walking up here are people who I have watched over either this year or years watch all of you. Stand over on this side so it's easier for me to look at all of you. Thank you. I've watched you guys go and make disciples. An intentional effort with reliance on God's word and your ambition and your action. Jordan, I've watched you intentionally go and witness to people like crazy, including your family even. Your family doesn't know Jesus. You have gotten after it. You even led your sister to Jesus. And you've discipled Devin Metzger, Hannah Alford, Angelique, and Lily Roble. Almost all of them are in this room right now, going and making disciples and changing the world. With, uh, with Regina, I've watched you actually disciple Rachel Ryan, who this man is extremely thankful for your intentional efforts, <laughs> and I've watched you get after it with evangelizing people around you. And with you, one of the things that just amazes me is you are so intentional with At your work and in your church with going around and planting seeds of the gospel, no matter if they make a decision or not, you are engaging the lost left and right and discipling Cale Lever and many other men that go here. And with you, Q, I wrote down all the people. You've led a lot of people to Jesus, and you couldn't even remember all the people, which was cracking me up. That's when you know you've led a lot of people to Jesus. You've led Spencer Lee, Ken Little, Cole Goffner, and a couple others to Christ. And right now, currently, you're discipling Mitch Hintz. Right here in front of you are world changers, and I don't even know if they know it. They are changing the world, and these world changers, I honestly think, were, you guys have had your moments where you're a little bit like Moses, where God comes to you in the burning bush, right? And he says, hey, you need to go and declare this message to people that are enslaved in their sin. And you've had your Moses moments where you're like, ah, But I, I don't, I don't talk good. I don't know if I can actually do this. You start to lose your confidence. But here's what I think God told Moses, and what He's telling you. He's saying, "I didn't ask you if you could. I asked you if you would, and you guys have." Give them a round of applause, people. You guys can go ahead and sit down. (laughs) World changers. World changers, look just like you. World changers take small steps to radically change the world. Discipleship has a process, though, and that's where the next two commands come into place. How else does Jesus command his followers to change the world? Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Point number two, world changers baptize. World changers, baptize. In order to follow Jesus, you need to obey his commands, and one of his biggest commands is to be baptized. Guys, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. Baptism is simple. It is an outward expression of what has inwardly happened inside your heart. Once God identifies you as his child, you then need to publicly identify him as your father. I heard a pastor once say this. Baptism is the first step as a Christian. You guys catch that? Baptism is the first step as a Christian. You get saved, and the first thing you should do as quickly as possible is get baptized. Have you obeyed Jesus in this way, or are you putting off obedience? Because world changers show the world that they've been changed. And world changers not only get baptized themselves, but also make disciples enough that they in turn start doing the Duncan. One of my favorite things in the world. And we've got some world changers in this room right now. Ho, 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 ho. You guys ready? Are you ready? We've got some world changers in this room right now. We need to sound the alarm, Caleb Ekstrand. <laughs> Riley Reischauer to the stage. Kayla Jones to the stage. And Rainier Manuel, get on up here. Give them a round of applause. Stand on this side of me once again so that I can see you. Here's Okay, we're good on that. Yeah, we're good. Okay, thank you. Here's what's amazing. Every single one of these people up here have not only been baptized themselves, but they have intentionally gone and disciple people, made disciples enough to lead them to Jesus and therefore baptize them. I'm going to start with Riley. Riley, you have baptized Katie Bickle girl standing to your right, (laughs) Kayla Jones, which is actually amazing to see, Sarah Simons, Shamari Little, and Sydney Thiel. And Kayla, you've baptized Mercedes Macias and Kayla Followell. And Rainier, you're like a professional baptizer. You've baptized Mitch Hens, Quentin Miller, Ty Erickson, and Chris Hartley. I've watched all of you throughout this. For all of you, it's been years now. Never leave this moment of grace where you've understood what Jesus did for you and you've gone and declared the gospel to so many people over a long period of time to the point where when we are offering get baptisms, you run to them and say, this is how you follow Jesus. And you have been part of people's lives, watching them radically obey Jesus over and over and over again. And I could not be more overjoyed to watch all three of you consistently change your world right now. Give them a round of applause, people. A round of applause. <laughs> world changers, world changers look like you, and they are taking small steps to radically change the world. Point number three look at verse 20. Verse 20. Look at this teaching them. All these people who were just made into a disciple, who have been baptized. They now teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. World changers. Point number three, world changers teach. World changers teach. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. You guys want to know how I learned to preach? You guys want to know how I learned to preach? Thank you for responding to me. I appreciate that. (laughs) This is what I did. I essentially went to college. My professors and my peers told me what to read. I went and read it. I tried to understand the text. I tried to put together my outline. It was crap. So my professors and my peers helped me put together an outline. And then I put together the rest of the sermon. And then this is just the worst, cringiest thing in the world. I would get up in front of 12 to 20 of my peers and two professors who know so much more about Jesus than me. And I would get up and I would preach probably the most trash sermon you've ever heard. And then I would sit down on the most uncomfortable seat you've ever sat on, which is what we call the hot seat. And I would get destroyed in front of all of them and encouraged. You guys notice what just happened right there? I was told what to read. I read it. I was shown the Bible and figured out what the main point was. Then I went and lived it out in a circle of accountability. Jesus shows that part of discipleship, part of following Jesus is being taught how to love and follow him by looking at his word. This is done through reading the Bible, teaching the Bible, figuring it out yourself and talking about it and living in accountability. Christian in the room. Are you teaching someone God's word? And I mean quite literally sitting down, looking at the Bible and saying, I don't know what it says. What do you think it says? What does that word mean? It is literally that simple. One of the most common things I hear from new Christians and honestly a lot of older Christians is, I want to follow Jesus this way and I want to read the Bible. I just don't know where to start. Is that you? Is that you right now? I wanna encourage you in two ways. The simplest way to read the Bible is to grab a buddy and read a proverb a day. That's where I would start. When I was 19, fresh off of drug addiction, the way that I ran to Jesus was I followed what my dad told me to do. And I read a proverb a day. That's a book in the Old Testament. It's full of wisdom sayings that teach you how to live a wise life in accordance with God's commands. And I watched God melt my heart to his. Proverb a day. There's 31 31 chapters in Proverbs. How many days are in the month? 30, 31. Don't say 28. I knew somebody was going to say that. Doesn't matter. This still has 28 chapters. You could still do February. A proverb a day. And for many of the rest of you, I would encourage you, there's an app called Read Scripture. It has incredible, incredible, Scripture reading plans that actually have videos that explain the books and actually have a partner to do it with, to read it with, so that you can actually live in accountability. It is that easy. For those of you Christians who are mature in your faith, you need to teach new Christians how to read God's word and watch them blossom into the lover of God that they're designed to be. And it only happens when they're discipled when you teach them how to follow Jesus by following you as you follow Jesus. And what do you know? We've got some world changers in this room tonight. Can I get an amen? Some world changers, Jaden Sardou, Maddie Buys in the front row, Eric Enrique Bravo Cardona, and Mitchell Shilling. Get on up here. Get on up here. Jaden, let's see some hustle, okay, sprint or fast walk, either one works. We've got some world changers in this room right now, these two men and these two women. I want to start with you, Jaden. Some of the things you guys might not know is Jaden last year taught a section of Gospel 101. And we don't just give that away to anybody. In fact, she is the only student that we've given that to. And it's because she passionately loves God's word. And she helped me essentially preach an evangelism talk last year as well. She knows God's word, and she knows how to dig deep and therefore live it out. Still, I know she can go and teach it. That's Jaden. And she does it repeatedly with her girls. Maddie buys. you're next. I've watched you. <laughs> as you see, she's like, oh, don't talk about me. Let's move on. Move on. Mitch. Uh. No, 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 no. Here's what I love about Maddie is Maddie is not the one who's going to be shouting from the rooftops all the things that she's doing. But what you need to know is that she is a secret weapon for the kingdom of god she has been running to her girls specifically with macy reading god's word not knowing where to go with it and then eventually they figure it out and god is doing a miraculous thing in both of their lives anytime you see maddie call her secret weapon from now on okay and now eric one of my favorite things is watching you grow and mature as a man and watching you get up on stage at all these chapels and literally preaching God's word, declaring God's truth to people to the point where two or three weeks ago when you got done preaching, a girl came up and said that the word that you gave her from God's word changed her life. That's what teaching God's word does. That's what preaching the gospel does. Inevitably, God's truth then becomes your truth and then the world is changed, amen? And I've watched Mitch Schilling this man has such a passion for God's word that he knows how to dissect a passage in a wise way that most college students don't have for, their, for your guys' age. And I watch him do it with Cameron Sharp as both of them put together their theological brains and I try to wrap their mind around the mind of God. These people are changing the world by simply, and I mean simply, reading God's word and just talking about it. These are world changers up here. Thank you. World changers, world changers look like you. World changers take small steps to radically change the world around them. And this type of ambition and action literally changes the world. But how else does Jesus command his followers to change the world? You might've missed it. It was before all the other commands. Look at verse seven. Angel is talking. He says, then Go quickly and tell his disciples. Look at verse 10. Jesus is talking. Jesus told them, do, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. Then look at verse 19. What's the first word shouted on the count of three? One, two, three. Go. go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Go, therefore. Point number four world changers, go. In order to change the world, you have to go. This command shows immediate action and ambition. Jesus doesn't call us to run to our couch and hope that gospel transformation happens. He calls us to go. But where? Flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. Matthew was the first gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter one. Jesus still has not ascended into heaven yet. He's still giving them commands. Where are we supposed to go, Jesus? Because he's about to leave them. Look at verse 4 of Acts chapter 1. While he was with them, he commanded them not, 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 not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So then, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? The disciples are still missing it. They're thinking, "Man, Jesus, are, are you going to like make Israel the world power now that you're king? Now that you're God? Look at how he actually responds. Verse 7. How are they supposed to change the world? Jesus almost brushes it off in verse 7. He said to them, it, it, it is not for you to, to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Said, Don't worry about that. Here's what you should look forward to, though. Verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. Where, where do you go in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus tells them to go in Matthew 28, he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations, And then in Acts, he says, he's sending them by the power of his spirit to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And with these words, Jesus is saying two powerful truths. Number one, the gospel isn't exclusive. It's for all people. Amen. And also, it can't be contained. This type of news cannot be contained. And we've got some world changers in this room tonight that are gospel goers. Gospel goers. Sound it. Sound it, Caleb. Ian Hudson, Taylor Goffner, and you, Caleb Ekstrand, get on up here. Come on, cheer cheer them on, people. Sprint on up here. I first off have to celebrate. Can I say this on stage, Taylor? Is it okay if I say it on stage? Show them what your left hand beholdeth. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Caleb is about to wife her up. Everyone say, Who did it? it. It's a miracle. Everyone knows that. (laughs) These three people on stage are gospel goers. These three people on stage are gospel goers. And here's what I love about these people Ian is staying here in Ankeny, Caleb and Taylor are leaving to go plant a church with me at Illinois State. Both are going to different places, but both are thinking through their lives in the lens of going. Ian is moving with a purpose. He's not staying here in Ankeny because he just, I don't know, has nothing better to do with his life. I might as well just stay in Ankeny. And to be honest, that's where a lot of you are. Ian is staying because he wants to be vitally used by his local church. Is that true? That's exactly why you're staying. And because he's doing this with a purpose, he is therefore a gospel goer and changing the world of Ankeny around him. And these two right here, Caleb and Taylor, are starting off their marriage with moving. And, and I honestly think of you guys, like I think of the prophet Isaiah, where he's met with the awe-inspiring glory and presence of God, and he's so terrified that he says, here I am, just just send me. And both of you looked at the call to oh shoot. <clears throat> both of you looked at the call to church planting and you said, Here's here's our life. Here's my one life. Send me wherever you would want me to go. And you committed to going before you even knew where we were going. <laughs> That's how I know. You're just naturally gospel goers, all three of you. Guys, give them a round of applause. <laughs> gospel goers. Thank you. That's how you change the world. That's how you change the world. It's not anything crazy difficult, crazy complicated, or crazy hard. It's just simply following Jesus. And I want to look at this past year in review. I want to look at this past year and how our world was changed by faithful Christians doing small things and making a massive impact. And I want to celebrate, which means I want to name names once again. This year, this is what happened this year. This year, 29 people bowed the knee to their King Jesus, and now they're saved. Come on. <laughs> These are the people who got saved. Aliyah Dewar, Tyler Heinzling, Chris Hartley, Connor Steifel, Taylor Cancelar, Kayla Folliwell, Chad Moldovan, Eden Cross, Ellie McCoy, Brendan Dottery. I don't think I said the wrong. Summer Cooker, Max Bradshaw, Abby Davis, Casey Mandernach, Brandon Ingolstadt, Lakira Pace, Macy Nigel, Brad Barr, Brandon Ferris, Heather Peck, Taylor Goffner, Walter Cockrum, Noah James, Riley DeFrancisco. Nailed that one. Hannah Goling, Sam Bruce, Bruce. Dang it, didn't nail that one. Caleb Goffner, Faith Suter, and Hannah Campbell. Those are the people who are now going to heaven because of your efforts. And these people... Came to know Jesus because they had friends who were bold enough and cared enough to tell them about a man, Jesus, who could change their life and alter the trajectory of their soul for eternity. Gospel goers. We also had 19 people radically follow Jesus through baptism. Amazing. Come on. <laughs> Their names, Alec Rettenmeyer, Kelly Seeloff, Chris Hartley, Connor Steifel, Libby Wilkin, Brianna Clarkson, Kayla Folliwell, Summer Cooker, Eden Cross, Max Bradshaw. Notice how a lot of these names are the same ones who got saved. I absolutely love that. Abby Davis, Mitchell Hins, Chad Moldovan, Suzanne Kerr, Taylor Goffner, Adrian Paramo, Tanner Kuehl, Hannah Gollings, and Tyler Heinzerling. Guys, amen. These are world changers who showed the world that they've been changed. And these people changed their world by getting baptized. Another amazing stat is 30-some people went to Gospel 101. These are people who have taken it, and dozens of the previous salvations have happened because Christians were taught to know the gospel and preach the gospel to those around them. And not to mention the countless conversations that all of you guys are having in your connection groups that are leading to gospel change that there is no stat for, only God knows. And not to even mention the spring retreat where 60-some of you sat back and you said, oh, a retreat where we go to a camp and learn about spiritual disciplines and reading the Bible? Sign me up, says no college student ever, except this room. You guys sat back and you said, I would love nothing more than to understand how to read God's word and understand it and radically follow Jesus. Changing the world categorically. And then there's our student leaders who serve this year. Brianna Wong, Emily Anderson, Jordan Edmondson, Josie Carter, Kayla Jones, Madeline Byes, Regan Little, Regina Mwindi, Sheridan Friedrichsen, Sydney Burns, Caleb Ekstrand, Christian Duran, Daniel Lonsbro, Eli Christensen, Eric Bravo, Ian Hudson, Ian Mwindi, Jake Smithson, Jevin Career, Josiah Helstern, Logan Jackson, Lucas Lockhart, Mitch Schilling, Nick Warsham, Quentin Miller, Rainier Manuel, Walker Cooper, Michael Kriegel, Dylan Hawley, Maggie Reno, Shayla Glasgow, McKenna Wallace, Brianna Budd, Kelly Seeloff, Jenna Steffen, And Keaton Wallace all led this whole student body this year. Give them a round of applause. They have bore your burdens. They have brought energy to your life. They spoke Jesus into your life, and they've showed you how to follow Jesus. Words cannot even describe the thankfulness I have for every single one of you student leaders and how you have served. You've changed our world simply because of your faithfulness to serve our King and fulfill every single one of these commands. I can't thank you enough for how much effort you've put forward. You want to know the one person who has changed my world the most? It's my dad. You want to know how he did it? Growing up every single day At 6 a.m., he would get up and read his Bible. And I would walk up and see him sitting in his chair, reading his Bible. He preached the gospel to me seven days a week, a hundred different ways, (laughs) to the point where I got saved because of his gospel message. And then he baptized me. He changed my world by being consistent in the small things. He showed me how to look like Jesus. He did little things over a long period of time to show me Jesus so that I would have no other option and no greater joy than to follow the one who laid his life down for me. For everyone in this room, how are you going to change the world? And maybe you're here, you just need your world shattered and changed by repentance in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been wondering how you can find joy, how you can be in a room where people are actually living and seeking their life out for a purpose. It's only because they know the one who gave his life for them. But as you saw in Matthew, victorious rose and gave them this gift of salvation. That joy, that hope, and that purpose is only found by placing your faith in the God of the universe, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Amen. Would you be part of the family tonight? God, I thank you so much for Salt Company. I thank you that you've given me the privilege, not the right, the privilege to lead a room full of gospel goers that have been loved by you. God, I pray that you would do something crazy. I pray that the campus of DMAC campus that it seems like nobody seems to want to see, nobody seems to want to care for. I pray that this campus would be flipped upside down for your glory and your glory alone. God, I pray that in this room tonight would be the launching pad where people are going People are making disciples. People are baptizing and being baptized. And people are daily running back to your word in order to be taught themselves and to teach others. God, I pray that you would continue this investment, that people in this room wouldn't leave this room without being changed, that people in this room wouldn't leave this room without seeing one of these commands that they are very clearly not following. I pray that they wouldn't see this unachievable goal, but they would actually see that it's just a small step and a small step so their world around them could actually be changed. God, I thank you for my time here as their director, but God, I, I pray that through the leadership of Keystone Church, that you would take this to places that I couldn't even imagine that as I leave, the leadership takes it to where souls are saved and not just hundreds, but thousands of college students, thousands upon thousands are saved. Thousands upon thousands are not just saved and making a profession of faith, but they have a possession of faith and they go and change the world around them for your glory. And that Ankeny, because of salt company, looks different, feels different. It's because we have gospel goers everywhere who have heavenly lens, knowing that when they die, they will be with their savior. So nothing else matters except your King, Jesus. God, I pray that you would change our world, but you would start by changing hearts. your name I pray, amen. We're about to sing.